Well, welcome everyone, particularly those watching a recording or joining us from online. We're glad to be in the house of the Lord together, able to open up God's Word. Romans chapter 15, I was thinking this week that when we have our Bibles open, we are quite blessed today compared to when it was first written. We're blessed to be able to say together, hey, turn to your Bibles to Romans 15. Because when the scriptures first came out, they couldn't do that. They couldn't say, go to chapter 15, go to this verse. Because there were no verses, there were no chapters when the Bible was first written. It came later on. It helps us quite a lot, indeed. And so I'm glad that they did it. But I'm confused with this part. I haven't researched the actual process that they went through on how they put down, um, why they allocated parts to this chapter and this verse, why they broke up this verse with that one. There's lots of interesting things that they do. This one confuses me on Romans chapter 15. That's, oh no, that's, that's, the, that's, the, no, that's the wrong passage. That's, 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 I just took that picture from Google. Yeah, just ignore the passage. Don't, don't. That's a, I'm, I'm impressed that you can see that, Pete, actually. I, I chose a small one for those, yeah. <laughs> the title of this morning's message is uh, Continued Cerebration in a new chapter and so uh, a lot of puzzled faces i'm just i just learned a new word this week that's all and uh you know with me with an alliteration i like alliteration so i try to get my three c's so i was going to say continued thoughts but uh cerebration if you're not familiar with that word is just a thought process okay so you ever a time when um someone asks you a question and you don't want to act too dumb and say i don't know if there's ever a case, you can just tell them, um, let me get back to you because my cerebration is incomplete. All right? And that's a wow, man. Okay. If you need that time for your cerebration to be complete, which is pretty much just means for my thought process to be complete, there you go. It comes in handy if you uh, find yourself in an awkward conversation and don't want to you know, be vulnerable and showing them how much you don't know. A continued celebration in a new chapter. This is a continued thoughts from Romans chapter 14. And I've been trying to figure out why didn't they finish the chapter on verse, well, some people say 13, but I think 14, which we're going to go through to verse 14 today. Why didn't they finish it then? And I thought, well, maybe it'll be too long of a chapter, which will be 36 verses. But then I went back to Romans chapter 8. That was 39 verses. And so, um, yeah, I'm just uh, curious. As I told you, I haven't really done the, the, the study, uh, research onto that, the process that they, that they took. But um, I was thinking maybe they had a, uh, I don't know, I, I was going to think they had a, a limit to how many verses in a chapter, but that doesn't make sense with this. But here we are, continuing Paul's thoughts on what he's been talking about in Romans chapter 14. And so in verse 1, if you haven't been with us and for, to allow everyone to get on the same wavelength here, 
Um, verse 1 in chapter 15 helps us to, for us to get on the same wavelength because it says, Now we who are strong. And so if we've been discovering there's two kinds of people in the church, two kinds of Christians. There are strong Christians and there are weak Christians. And so the weak Christian, it doesn't mean that they're frail or sick or ill, um, even though that word can actually mean sick um, and ill. But we're talking about um, an understanding of our liberty in Christ. Remember the verse that says um, Jesus will uh, set you free and you'll be free indeed? We have freedom in Christ. We're no longer, and when I say we, I say humanity. The Jews were not free in their, uh, the ways that they became acceptable unto God. In regards to God blessing them, they were under the law. We, as Gentiles, and Jews as well, for those who obviously trust Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior, we're free in Christ in the sense that we are no longer under the law. We're not bound by a bunch of laws to make us right with God or even for us to be blessed by God. A weak person is someone who actually doesn't fully understand their freedom in Christ. And so they might get to a point where they feel like they can't do something in particular because their conscience tells them that God doesn't want them to. But in reality, God doesn't really care. A strong brother is someone who does fully understand their freedom in Christ. And so the examples that Paul's been dealing with in Romans chapter 14 are one of worshipping on a particular day, Remember the Jews, who's still part of this church, they felt that they still had to worship God on Saturday, on the Sabbath. But I believe now they were worshipping on a Sunday. But they were having arguments. No, we need to do it on Saturday because God has always told us to do it on Saturday. Paul saying, a day is a day. There's no special days. Um, meet was a contentious issue because of the way that they did meet. And I want to thank you for those who've been talking to me on, I guess, relative applications to us. A lot of people have come, oh, yes, Tim, I understand what you're saying. This person, for instance, and I'll, I'll just share a few if those people don't mind, um, the, the issue of celebrating Christmas. That's big on some people's lists. Some people don't like, they don't feel right to have a Christmas tree in their house because of the symbolisms or the, if relating to a, a, a pagan thing. Meat is still an issue for some. For example, there are some people now, we get cheap meat because it's halal meat compared to some others that might be even organic, some people might see that halal and say, well, that's, that's, that's pretty dedicated to, a, uh, to Allah, so I'm going to have nothing to do with that. I'm not going to support that. Well, others might say, 
another Christian might say, oh man, that's some cheap meat. That's going to help me in my budget. So I'm going to, I'm going to purchase it. This application is for so many issues in today's church that you just can't go through all of them. You have to deal with one on a one-to-one basis. But please be clear, we are not talking about issues that relate to sin, that we know in Scripture are sin. We're talking about issues in the church, things that we disagree with that are not sinful or the clearly stated as sin, but for some reason or another, someone's conscience tells them they shouldn't do that, whereas another person's conscience tells them they should. So the biggest, I reckon the biggest issue in today's society, and we're given hints in Romans chapter 14 that it was a big issue back then, is the issue of alcohol. Some Christian would say, I just don't feel right drinking alcohol at all which is okay. But then another person would say, well, I do feel okay drinking alcohol. Now, we come together and say, all right, what does the Bible say about it? Because the Bible is the authority. The Bible decides. And so the Bible tells us, well, we're not to get drunk with wine or with alcohol, but doesn't forbid the drinking of it. And so what happens now is, well, I have an obligation or the person who's the strong brother who finds freedom in Christ to drink alcohol, he has an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. So it may come in a time where I know my Christian brother or sister is against drinking alcohol, so I'm not going to drink alcohol in front of them or um, even cause them, or uh, not cause them, and manipulate is just too strong, encourage them even to say, hey, it's okay to have a drink. We're allowed to do it. I'm not to do that. It's very interesting. I might say, but I love this glass of red wine to go with my lovely cooked medium rare eye fillet. The combination of flavors is just amazing. I'm to hold off that party in my mouth in the presence of my brother or sister that has a problem with that. As I said, I reckon that's the biggest issue in today's church, but there's many others. And, um, and on that note, before we go any further, what I hear a lot of people saying is, I, I don't feel. Well, I feel like what I'm doing is fine. I feel like what I'm doing is fine. And so I repeat. Feelings is not an authoritative measure. Because your feelings could be wrong. Scripture is the authoritative measure. We look at Scripture, and then 
if it doesn't, if it doesn't um, state it clearly, then we look at our other brothers and sisters, and then we look to our feelings. And so we're told in Romans 14, do it between you and God if you feel like you want to do it. All right, so now that that's out of the way, and I feel that we can be on the same um, wavelength here, we're not to please ourselves. We're thinking about others. Verse 2 goes on to continue to say, each one of us, each one, doesn't exclude anyone, each one of us must please his neighbor for his good in order to build him up. Now, this issue of pleasing one another, it's an issue. Because I have there on the board, I has to, the question has to be asked, to what extent? To what extent do we please one another? Because we can go, get, we can go overboard with this. For instance, I've been, I've been hearing some other pastors talk about, you know, when I'm down here, I'm serving communion. I've heard a story of one preacher the past few weeks, of a person in the congregation going to them and say, what in the world are you sitting down while the elements are being served? You should be standing up. I thought, wow, thank you for allowing me to sit down while the elements are served in this church, firstly. But then another issue, would you feel and this is true in some churches, that they couldn't listen to the preacher unless he was wearing a tie or a jacket. This is not so much in Australia, more, more in America. But that seems to be an issue. So what extent do we ourselves accommodate the other person's pleasing? And I think this verse tells us, is it... For his good or her good? And is it to build them up? You gotta wonder, me wearing a tie, would that build someone up? Me distinguishing between sitting down and standing up when elements are served at communion, would that build someone up? So this is the overall goal. When we're talking about pleasing one another, it has to be for the better good. He's good to build it. And what that means is your word in your Bible might mean edification. We are to, and that's one of the one another's, to edify one another. It is for their edification. Or Romans chapter 14 puts it in reverse and say to make sure that they don't... Um, sin themselves or, or fall or, or have a hiccup or, or get all overwhelmed and say, oh my goodness. Well, verse 3 continues to say the why, for even Christ did not please himself. This is the illustration for us to follow, is it not? Christ did not please himself. We know that. But as it is written, remember Paul always uses a reference in the Old Testament to back up his reasonings. And he does that a number of times today. And he uses Psalm 69, verse 9 here, which would say is a messianic psalm. It's a psalm referring to Jesus Christ. The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. 
Christ is our example. Verse 4, everything written in the scriptures was written to teach us in order that we might have hope through the patience and encouragement which the scriptures give us. So underline scriptures there. And would, would we be talking or would Paul be talking about Old Testament here or New Testament? What do you think? It would have to be old, wouldn't it? Because the New Testament wasn't completed yet. This is not Paul's first letter. But um, King James Version says, for whatever things were written aforetime or before in the, in, the, in the past, it has to be talking about Old Testament scriptures. However, I believe we can still relate that ourselves to New Testament as well, our whole Holy Bible. But the point is, well, for us as Christians in the year 2023, some of us think, well, the Old Testament is just Old Covenant, so it's not really, uh, it's not really profitable for us. A lot of people no longer preach or even reference the Old Testament anymore in their, uh, a lot of pastors don't in their sermons uh, because to them it's just old. It doesn't relate. But I think we, feel, we miss on a lot of truths. We miss out on a lot of applications because of that. It was written to teach us even though it happened thousands of years ago. And what's the goal of that scripture? What's the goal of our Bibles? What's the goal of reading them? Well, it says here in verse 4, that we might have hope. And that, that hope will come through patience or endurance or perseverance and encouragement, which the scriptures give us. Wow, it's like Paul knew that we would need hope in this world. <laughs> Funny that. It seems like that would come through, that would need a lot of patience, and that would need a lot of encouragement. How true is that? Thousands of years later, it's probably more true than ever. The closer we get to the end of days... It seems to be getting, wow, a time where we need hope. The scriptures give us hope. How often do we look to scripture to give us that hope? <laughs> How often do we open up this, this book and just meditate on it? To give us hope. I'll allow the Spirit to speak to you with that. Now may the God who gives perseverance, it's like Paul's praying for us right now, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. May this be our prayer. God is the source of our perseverance and encouragement and he grants you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. What does that same mind mean? 
Well, according to Christ Jesus, it's going to tell us later on that that same mind should be to do one thing. I'll show it now. Next verse. That you may with one mind and one mouth do what? Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what our one mind should do. That's our one purpose. That should be on every single person's mind when we come together as his people. Every Christian is asking, not every Christian, most Christians would ask, what does God want me to do? What's God's will for my life? Should I do this? Should I do that? And we complicate it so much when we try to get into the nitty-gritty details of everything. But I have a challenge here. If you could only choose one verse, feel free to yell it out if you, if you think. If you could choose one verse to tell someone what God wants them to do for their life, could you sum it up in one verse? Does one verse come to mind? What do you think? Feel free to... Be, 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 be brave. No, no. I'm talking about any circumstance. Any circumstance. So, any takers. Come on. Honor the Lord your God. That, that's a good one. Yeah. Believe in Jesus. Yeah, okay. One verse, just to summarize what God wants them to do in their life. And it could relate to any single thing, Rhea. Pray without ceasing is one, yeah. Could be. Yes. So, yeah, believing, I guess it goes with that, yeah. Carrying, have a go. Ah. Uh, yes. That's Philippians 2.13 if you can't hear her online. Oh, another taker. Oh, yeah. So I'm thinking, I thought of 1 Corinthians 10.31. When someone asks you, what do you want, what, what, what does God want me to do? Whatever you find yourself doing, specifically, Paul states to the church, even whether you're eating, you're drinking, so the most mundane tasks here on earth, and then he sums it up, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So when we're talking about believing, when we're talking about praying without ceasing, when we're talking about all those things that were stated, in reality, we're just glorifying God. This would help us immensely because can you sin and glorify God at the same time? Absolutely not. We say what would help us in life as a Christian is to be led by the Spirit. That leading of the Spirit is in reality glorifying God. To make your life full of joy, which we'll get into 
um, shortly, but we've just been singing about it. Since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy on my soul, like the sea billows roll, even though there's billows in life, even though they're rolling, we can still have joy. How much joy is going through your life right now? Is it? Maybe. Because what we're doing is not glorifying God. Therefore, he says in verse 7, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. And so this to me is a, I was going to end it on verse 7, but I thought, no, the end of the year is coming. We're under 100 days now. I'm going to finish Romans this year. Accept one another. As we conclude these first seven verses, why is it important to gather? I have a question here. And it's really accepting one another. How can we accept one another if we don't gather with one another? And I want to go further than this. I'd love to be a church where everyone who comes in this room feels like they are accepted. We're mainly talking about first-time guests because it comes to a point where, hey, if you're visiting for one or two months, more than likely you do feel accepted because you keep on coming. I look forward, and this has been really encouraging when we had this fellowship morning tea, to see no one by themselves eating by themselves. There are some cases where I do see new people just eating by themselves, but this has been so encouraging to see where we make someone feel accepted by talking to them. It starts with talking to them. This might feel uncomfortable for some of us, for those introverts, like me, I'm an introvert. I actually have to get out of my comfort zone to talk to someone, even though you might think I have no problem talking on stage, but it's still getting out of my comfort zone. And I know there's a lot getting out of our comfort zone to show that we accept them. So may everyone who comes in this room feel accepted, but then it comes to the next stage. I don't think God just wants us to Be content with that. Because it comes to a point where the gathering together takes the focus of ourselves. It comes to a point in someone's life where there are seasons when we gather together and for one reason or another, it's a place where I need to feel accepted in order to go to the next place, in order to go to the next stage. Because the next stage is gathering together with the intention to help other people feel accepted. It's taking the focus of yourself. It's all good to come to church and gather together and be renewed on your minds by the preaching of your word, to pray for one another, or even for someone to pray for you. But it's all self-focused. It's still self-focused. There has to come a time in our life through, through, as our faith matures and it could be in certain seasons of life where we're gathering together for the intention of accepting other people, of helping other people feel accepted. For most of us, that means listening to them, talking to them, taking note of the visitors, making sure that they don't get out of here without speaking to someone. 
making him feel accepted. It may involve coming to church early. So maybe you can lift someone up who seems to go out straight away. But then it comes to a next level where you may be in a place where you can seek or really pursue opportunities where it's not a personal acceptance, but it's a corporate acceptance. Providing opportunities for a whole church to accept individuals. This really depends on our creativity. So for example, I like to acknowledge birthdays in the room, but we don't get everyone's birthday. And a simple happy birthday, yeah, it's neither here nor there. But what about an idea of, wow, how about we can get some kind of small gift for that person that even emphasizes the, 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 the way that we acknowledge or accept that person? Maybe even going further than that, having a ministry where I'm going out of my way to write a birthday card or an anniversary card to someone on that special day. How much more would people feel accepted if that was the case? Do you see how it goes up and up and up? And it's really dependent on how God leads us. But the question is, are we even having those conversations with God? Or is the focus still on ourselves? Which might be fine, but God, I believe God doesn't want us to stay there. And so moving on, now Paul says in verse 8, I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. So now he's getting really into the context of what he's talking about. We know here Jesus Christ was a servant or a minister to who? The circumcision. The circumcision is a name given to the Jews. So primarily, we know Jesus being a Jew came through the Jews, primarily for the Jews, but for someone else as well. Ultimately, it's to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. So we covered this in chapter 11. So if you want to listen to my messages on chapter 11, I'm not going to go through that confirming the promises made unto the fathers, but the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, um, Jacob, thank you. I went blank for this a sec there. Promises, ultimate promise to Abraham, you'll be a father of many nations. So let's continue. Not only for the Jews, but also in verse 9, for the Gentiles, coming back to our purpose to glorify God for his mercy. And so read chapter 11 again about God. His ultimate plan was to show mercy to everyone, not just his chosen people. His chosen people, Israel, were just the people chosen for Jesus Christ to come out of, the lineage. But then Paul uses a number of references in the next few verses. We're not going to cover them all. Um, I'm not even going to go there. But I suggest 
or highly recommend you do it, your own personal study, looking at these references that Paul uses and seeing how it matches in with what he's talking about. We'll answer what he's talking about at the end of these references. So for starters, he says, as it is written, he's just using an Old Testament reference to enforce his reasoning, to enforce his thoughts. This one's out of um, Psalm 1849, which is still uh, reflected in 2 Samuel 22.50. So this, the story of the psalm is really in 2 Samuel chapter 22. It says, For therefore I will give praise to you among the Gentiles. Just notice the word Gentiles there. And I will sing to your name. Next one. Again he says, verse 10, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. So his people are the Jews, but Gentiles are rejoicing. Remember, we're Gentiles as well. We're Gentiles. Oh, actually, there are, we do have some Jews in here who have um, trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Deuteronomy 32, 43 is the reference. If you're taking notes and you want to look that up this week. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. This is verse 11. And let all the peoples praise him. So this is a reference which scholars believe is found in Psalm 117, verse 1. It's interesting because that psalm is only three verses long. So, oh, he does one more. Verse 12, again, Isaiah says, There shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles hope. That's Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10. So the question is, what is Paul saying through all these references? Well, God's plan from the start is to include not just the Jews, but everyone in the human race to have the opportunity to have a relationship with him. Us, we're included. We can only be included through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Otherwise, we'll still be having to, you know, have a temple sacrifice our lamb, do all that stuff that was required for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus Christ became that lamb for us. So he sacrificed himself. We no longer have to do that. He's taken our punishment. What's Paul saying? The plan from the start was for that to happen. The plan was to include the Gentiles. And look what's happening in the church. You guys are arguing there is disunity among something that God planned from the start. Do you see the monstrosity that's happening in the church right now? This is not what God wanted. God wanted you to come together. It's interesting that this happened straight away. And now we... In 2023, unfortunately, Gentiles are arguing against other Gentiles for whatever reason. Reasons that in the end don't even matter. But Paul saying, hey, this is what God planned. I just showed you through scripture that God wanted Gentiles to be included in his plan. Why did Jews have a problem with it? Why did you still have a problem with it? Like how many times in scripture were they warned that we would be included in salvation? 
But still, an average Jew out there would say, nah, this can't, Jesus can't, Christ can't be the Messiah because, no, we're his people. All these Gentiles that think they can know our God, that's, that's, that's ludicrous. That's uncalled for. But how many times were they warned in Scripture? So if you know a Jew that doesn't, um, is stubborn in his ways and, or their, her ways and doesn't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, look up these references and know them off by heart. Maybe have that conversation with them if you get a chance. So these final two verses, this is, an, this is what the ultimate goal is. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to have joy, not just joy here and there, but abundant joy. He wants our life to be abundant, to be filled with all joy and peace. That's what our lives should be reflecting. Remember, this is our values, where people will see the peace of God in us, so that we would have an opportunity to share the peace that they can have with God. And we do that by accepting them. We do that by loving them. It shows me that this unity that we need well, our joy and peace is really dependent on it, isn't it? And from that joy and peace we'll again have hope. But this hope reminded it's just another way of saying the source of it, it's not us. The source of it is through the power of the Holy Spirit. The source of it is God, in other words. I decided to end on this verse because I think this is his continued thought. And he goes on to something in verse 15, reminding us that his role that God chose him to do was really to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Verse 14 concludes by saying, I'm convinced, brothers and sisters, that you too are filled with goodness. I'm also convinced that you have all the knowledge you need and that you are able to instruct each other in these things. Now, I do like a better word than instruct is admonish. So it's not just about teaching. It's about exhorting. It's about encouraging. It may even be about warning. It's about being accountable before each other. That's admonishment. He hasn't even seen this church. He hasn't visited this church yet and he's convinced that they are filled with goodness. I have a habit of saying, instead of saying, oh my gosh, or when something happens, I say, oh my goodness. I once was confronted to say, Tim, you have no goodness in you. Referring to Romans 3, there's none good, no, not one. But here we are. We are filled with goodness. We can say we are good because Jesus Christ has made us good. So Romans 3 is talking about one who is a non-believer. So yeah, there's no one good. In order to be declared good, you have to be do it through Jesus Christ. But a better word might be kindness. You are filled with kindness. 
He must have heard good reports from him. I'm also convinced that you have all the knowledge you need. Your version, I chose not to use a version that says you have all knowledge, since it might distract us. I think you have everything you need that you are able to admonish one another in these things. And what's, what are they admonishing one another in? Maintaining unity. Because we talked about last week, the dangers if we don't do that. What do we learn? Well, number one, please others over pleasing ourselves for the purpose of edifying them. When we come together, may it be to build one another up. Number two, we can make sure it happens just by following Christ's example. Or we can be encouraged. Because it may come, it does come to a point in our lives where we're tempted. Oh my goodness, I'm doing all this serving. I'm doing all these one another's. I'm just, I'm just pleasing everyone else. What about me? As soon as that thought enters your mind, well, there's a problem. Why are you doing what you are doing? It comes back to motivations. It comes back to, hey, Christ is our example. Number three is a prayer. May we be a community that epitomizes unity, goodness or kindness, and hope. So when other people come in here, they will see that and, well, maybe it might encourage them to start a relationship with Jesus Christ themselves. I decided to keep this verse in, just to reflect on it again. Philippians chapter 2. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. It's a prayer. Let's bow in prayer, asking God to help us do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your power. We know we would be lost. Even if our sins were forgiven, we would still be lost if we did not have your spirit within us, empowering us to do something that you are instructing us to do that is really beyond our own capabilities. And so I do reflect on that verse that was lifted up earlier on Philippians 2.13. It's for your good pleasure. It's you working in and through us to do what you desire us to do. May we just have that attitude of humility where we accept ourselves as being an instrument to be used for your purpose and for your glory. That's our prayer. That's our desire. Help us not to be distracted with things that would get our minds off that because we know how consuming this world is with those thoughts where the focus is all on us. Help us to be guarded against those thoughts. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.